Section two of the Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume three by Robert Burton, Section two. Partition three, Section one, Member one, Subsection two. Love's Beginning, Object, Definition, Division Love's limits are ample and great, and a spacious walk it hath, beset with thorns, and for that cause, which Scaliger reprehends in Cardan, not likely to be passed over. Lest I incur the same censure, I will examine all the kinds of love, his nature, beginning, difference, objects, how it is honest or dishonest, a virtue or vice a natural passion or a disease his power and effects how far it extends of which although something has been said in the first partition in those sections of perturbations for love and hatred are the first and most common passions from which all the rest arise and are attendant as piccolomineus holds or as nicholas carcinus the prima mobile of all other affections which carry them all about them I will now more copiously dilate, that so it may better appear what love is, and how it varies with the objects, how in defect, or, which is most ordinary and common, immoderate, and in excess, causeth melancholy. Love universally taken is divined to be a desire, as a word of more ample signification, and though Leon Hebreus, the most copious writer of this subject, in his third dialogue make no difference, yet in his first he distinguisheth them again, and defines love by desire. Love is a voluntary affection, and desire to enjoy that which is good. Desire wisheth, love enjoys. The end of the one is the beginning of the other. That which we love is present, that which we desire is absent. It is worth the labour, saith Plotinus, to consider well of love, whether it be a god or a devil, or passion of the mind, or partly god, partly devil, partly passion. He concludes love to participate of all three, to arise from desire of that which is beautiful and fair, and defines it to be an action of the mind desiring that which is good. Plato calls it the great devil, for its vehemency and sovereignty over all other passions, and defines it an appetite, by which we desire some good to be present. Ficinus in his comment adds the word fair to this definition. Love is a desire of enjoying that which is good and fair. Austin dilates this common definition, and will have love to be a delectation of the heart, for something which we seek to win or joy to have, coveting by desire, resting in joy. Scaliger taxeth these former definitions, and will not have love to be defined by desire or appetite. For when we enjoy the things we desire, there remains no more appetite, as he defines it. Love is an affection by which we are either united to the thing we love, or perpetuate our union, which agrees in part with Leon Hebraeus. Now this love varies as its object varies, which is always good, amiable, fair, gracious, and pleasant. All things desire that which is good, as we are taught in the ethics, or at least that which to them seems to be good. Quid enim vis mali, as Austin well infers, dic mihi, 
puto nihil in omnibus actionibus. Thou wilt wish no harm, I suppose, no ill in all thine actions, thoughts, or desires, nihil mali vis. Thou wilt not have bad corn, bad soil, a naughty tree, but all good, a good servant, a good horse, a good son, a good friend, a good neighbour, a good wife. From this goodness comes beauty, from beauty grace and comeliness, which result as so many rays from their good parts, make us to love, and so to covet it. For were it not pleasing and gracious in our eyes, we should not seek. No man loves, saith Aristotle, but he that was first delighted with comeliness and beauty. As this fair object varies, so doth our love. For as Proclus holds, omne pulcrum amabile, every fair thing is amiable, and what we love is fair and gracious in our eyes, or at least we do so apprehend and still esteem of it. Amiableness is the object of love, the scope and end is to obtain it, for whose sake we love, and which our mind covets to enjoy. And it seems to us especially fair and good, for good, fair, and unity cannot be separated. Beauty shines, Plato said, and by reason of its splendour and shining causeth admiration, and the fairer the object is, the more eagerly it is sought. For as the same Plato defines it, beauty is a lively, shining, or glittering brightness, resulting from effused good, by ideas, seeds, reasons, shadows, stirring up our minds, that by this good they may be united and made one. Others will have beauty to be the perfection of the whole composition, caused out of the congruous symmetry, measure, order, and manner of parts, and that comeliness which proceeds from this beauty is called grace, and from thence all fair things are gracious. For grace and beauty are so wonderfully annexed, so sweetly and gently win our souls, and strongly allure, that they confound our judgment and cannot be distinguished. Beauty and grace are like those beams and shinings that come from the glorious and divine sun, which are diverse, as they proceed from the diverse objects, to please and affect our general senses. As the species of beauty are taken at our eyes, ears, or conceived in our inner soul, as Plato disputes at large in his dialogue De Pulcro, Phaedro, Hippias, and after many sophistical errors confuted, concludes that beauty is a grace in all things delighting the eyes, ears, and soul itself, so that, as Valesius infers hence, whatsoever pleaseth our ears, eyes, and soul, must needs be beautiful, fair, and delightsome to us, and nothing can more please our ears than music, or pacify our minds. Fair houses, pictures, orchards, gardens, fields, a fair hawk, a fair horse, is most acceptable unto us. Whatsoever pleaseth our eyes and ears, we call beautiful and fair. Pleasure belongeth to the rest of the senses, but grace and beauty to these two alone. As the objects vary and are diverse, so they diversely affect our eyes, ears, and soul itself, which gives occasion to some to make so many several kinds of love as there be objects. One beauty ariseth from God, of which and divine love St. Dionysius, with many fathers and neoterics, have written just volumes de amore dei, as they term it, merry paranetical discourses. Another from his creatures. There is a beauty of the body, a beauty of the soul, a beauty from virtue. Formum martyrum, Austin calls it, quam videmus oculus animi, which we see with the eyes of our mind. Which beauty, as Tully saith, 
if we could discern with these corporeal eyes, admirabili sui amore vexitaret, would cause admirable affections, and ravish our souls. This other beauty, which ariseth from those extreme parts, and graces which proceed from gestures, speech, several motions, and proportions of creatures, men and women, especially from women, which made those old poets put the three graces still in Venus's company, as attending on her, and holding up her train, are infinite almost, and vary their names with their objects, as love of money, covetousness, love of beauty, lust, immoderate desire of any pleasure, concupiscence, friendship, love, goodwill, etc., and is either virtue or vice, honest, dishonest, in excess, defect, as shall be showed in his place. Heroical love, religious love, etc., which may be reduced to a twofold division, according to the principal parts which are affected, the brain and liver. Amor et amicitia, which Scaliger, Valesius, and Melanchthon warrant out of Plato, Bileian, and Eran, from that speech of Pausanias belike, that makes two Veneres and two loves. One Venus is ancient, without a mother, and descended from heaven, which we call celestial. The younger, begotten of Jupiter and Dione, whom commonly we call Venus. Ficinus, in his comment upon this place, chapter 8, following Plato, calls these two loves two devils, or good and bad angels, according to us, which are still hovering about our souls. The one rears to heaven, the other depresseth us to hell. The one good, which stirs us up to the contemplation of that divine beauty for whose sake we perform justice and all godly offices, study philosophy, etc. The other base, and though bad yet to be respected, for indeed both are good in their own natures. Procreation of children is as necessary as finding out of truth, but therefore called bad because it is abused and withdraws our souls from the speculation of that other to viler objects. So far the keenness, St. Austin, Book 15, De Civitati Dei, et Super, Psalm 64, has delivered us much in effect. Every creature is good, and may be loved well or ill, and two cities make two loves, Jerusalem and Babylon, the love of God the one, the love of the world the other. Of those two cities we are all citizens, as by examination of ourselves we may soon find, and of which. The one love is the root of all mischief, the other of all good. So, in his chapter 15 book, De Amore Ecclesiae, he will have those four cardinal virtues to be naught else but love rightly composed. In his book 15 De Civitati Dei, chapter 22, he calls virtue the order of love, whom Thomas, following 1, partition 2, question 55, article 1 and question 56, 3, question 62, article 2, confirms as much and amplifies in many words. Lucian, to the same purpose, hath a division of his own. One love was born in the sea, which is as various and raging in young men's breasts as the sea itself, and causeth burning lust. The other is that golden chain which was let down from heaven, and with a divine fury ravisheth our souls, made to the image of God, and stirs us up to comprehend the innate and incorruptible beauty to which we were once created. Beroaldus hath expressed all this in an epigram of his. Dogmata divini memorant si vera platonis, 
sunt gemini veneres et geminatus amor colestis venus est nullo generata parente quae casto sanctus nectit amore viros altera sed venus est totum vulgata per orbem quae divum mentes alligat atque hominum improba seductrix petulance etc if divine plato's tenets they be true two venere's two loves there be the one from heaven unbegotten still which knits our souls in unity the other famous over all the world binding the hearts of gods and men dishonest wanton and seducing she rules whom she will both where and when this twofold division of love oregon likewise follows in his comment on the canticles one from god the other from the devil as he holds understanding it in the worst sense which many others repeat and imitate both which to omit all subdivisions in excess or defect as they are abused or degenerate cause melancholy in a particular kind as shall be shown in his place austin in another tract makes a threefold division of this love which we may use well or ill god our neighbour and the world god above us our neighbour next us the world beneath us in the course of our desires god has three things the world one our neighbour two our desire to god is either from god with god or to god and ordinarily so runs from god when it receives from him whence and for which it should love him with god when it contradicts his will in nothing to god when it seeks to him and rests itself in him our love to our neighbour may proceed from him and run with him not to him from him as when we rejoice of his good safety and well-doing with him when we desire to have him a fellow and companion of our journey in the way of the lord not in him because there is no aid hope or confidence in man from the world our love comes when we begin to admire the creator in his works and glorify god in his creatures with the world it should run if according to the mutability of all temporalities it should be dejected in adversity or over-elevated in prosperity to the world if it would settle itself in its vain delights and studies many such partitions of love i could repeat and subdivisions but least which scaliger objects to cardan exercitatio fervor one i confound filthy burning lust with pure and divine love i will follow that accurate division of leon hebraeus dialogue two betwixt sophia and philo where he speaks of natural sensible and rational love and handleth each apart natural love or hatred is that sympathy or antipathy which is to be seen in animate and inanimate creatures in the four elements metals stones gravia tendant deorsum as a stone to his centre fire upward and rivers to the sea the sun moon and stars go still around amantes naturae debita exercere for love of perfection this love is manifest i say in inanimate creatures how comes a lodestone to draw iron to it jet chaff the ground to covet showers but for love no creature saint hiram concludes is to be found quod non aliquid emat no stock no stone that hath not some feeling of love tis more eminent in plants herbs and is especially observed in vegetables as between the vine and elm a great sympathy 
between the vine and the cabbage, between the vine and the olive. Virgo fugit formium, between the vine and bays a great antipathy. The vine loves not the bay nor his smell, and will kill him if he grow near him. The burr and the lentil cannot endure one another. The olive and the myrtle embrace each other, in roots and branches if they grow near. Read more of this in Piccolomineus, Crescentius, Baptista Porta, Fracastorius of the love and hatred of planets. Consult with every astrologer. Leon Hebreus gives many fabulous reasons, and moralizeth them withal. Sensible love is that of brute beasts, of which the same Leon Hebreus dialogue too assigns these causes. First for the pleasure they take in the act of generation, male and female love one another. Secondly for the preservation of the species, and desire of young brood. Thirdly for the mutual agreement, as being of the same kind, susui canis cani, bos bovi, et asinus asino pulcherimus videtur, as Epicamus held and according to that adage of Diogenianus, adsistet usque graculus apud graculum, they much delight in one another's company. Formicae grata est formica, cicada cicadae, and birds of a feather will gather together. Fourthly, for custom, use, and familiarity, as if a dog be trained up with a lion and a bear, contrary to their natures, they will love each other. Hawks, dogs, horses, love their masters and keepers, Many stories I could relate in this kind, but see Gilius de Historia Animalium, Book 3, Chapter 14, those two epistles of Lipsius, of dogs and horses, Agilius, etc. Fifthly, for bringing up, as if a bitch bring up a kid, a hen ducklings, a hedge sparrow a cuckoo, etc. The third kind is amor cognitionis, as Leon calls it, rational love, intellectivus amor and is proper to men, on which I must insist. This appears in God, angels, men. God is love itself, the fountain of love, the disciple of love, as Plato styles him, the servant of peace, the God of love and peace. Have peace with all men, and God is with you. Quisquis venerata olympum, ipse sibe mundum subjicit atque deum. By this love, saith Gerson, we purchase heaven and by the kingdom of God. This love is either in the Trinity itself, for the Holy Ghost is the love of the Father and the Son, etc. John 3.35 and verse 20 and 14.31 or towards us his creatures, as in making the world. Amor mundum fecit. Love built cities. Mundi anima. Invented arts, sciences, and all good things. Incites us to virtue and humanity. Combines and quickens keeps peace on earth, quietness by sea, mirth in the winds and elements, expels all fear, anger, and rusticity. Curculus are bono in bonum, a round circle still from good to good, for love is the beginner and end of all our actions, the efficient and instrumental cause, as our poets in their symbols, impresses, emblems of rings, squares, etc., shadow unto us. Si rerum quiris furit, Crispinus et ortus, desine, nam causa est unica solus amor. If first and last of anything you wit, cease, love's the sole and only cause of it. Love, saith Leo, made the world, and afterwards in redeeming of it, God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son for it. John 3.16 Behold what love the Father hath showed on us, that we should be called the sons of God, 1 John 3.1, or by his sweet providence in protecting of it, either all in general, or his saints elect and church in particular, whom he keeps as the apple of his eye, whom he loves freely, as Hosea 14.5 speaks, and dearly respects. Calior est ipsis homo quam sibi. Not that we are fair, nor for any merit or grace of ours, for we are most vile and base, but out of his incomparable love and goodness, out of his divine nature. And this is that Homer's golden chain, which reacheth down from heaven to earth, by which every creature is annexed and depends on his creator. He made all, save Moses, and it was good. He loves it as good. The love of angels and living souls is mutual amongst themselves, towards us militant in the church, and all such as love God. As the sunbeams irradiate the earth from those celestial thrones, they by their well-wishes reflect on us, in salute hominum promovenda, alacres, et constantes ad ministri. There is joy in heaven for every sinner that repenteth. They pray for us, are solicitous for our good. Casti genii, ubi regnat caritas, suave desiderium, laetitiaque et amor deo conjunctus. Love, proper to mortal men, is the third member of this subdivision, and the subject of my following discourse. End of section 2